Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by StoryWorth. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. It's on the it's on the dock, and you read it correctly. <laughs> I was literally like, I moved all the the identity stuff to the bottom of the dock, and now I'm choking on my own spit. Um, and I was I was you, at the top of the dock. You got it right, and now you're dying on the show. <laughs> Live for you now. I was at the top of the dock, and I was like, I'm going to get it and say it right. And my mind was like, cloud advocate. And my, my immediately my hand was like scrolling to the bottom of the dock being like, quick, quick, go double check it. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> and I was wrong. Developer advocate. Anyway, we've got a fun show for you tonight. We are going to be continuing to discuss the FTX fallout <laughs> as well as some entertainment industry news. Bob Iger is back on top at Disney and everyone He's fleeing Twitter for Mastodon. Uh, fortunately, we have a, a, a person on our show. I, I believe both of you have been toying around with Mastodon even before yeah. this yeah. whole situation occurred. So we're going to be getting. Opinions. Oh, I, I bet do you too. do. And for do our too. booster subscribers, our paid subscribers who get an Ooh. ad-free show. Yeah, you're going to get to hear us talk about the Elizabeth Holmes verdict. Yeah, well, or well, sentencing. Specifically, sentencing. the bet you're going to hear about the resolution to a little bet well, that Christina well, and I well, had. Well, well, the resolution, in theory, I, I look, I, I lost, and I will make Save good it. on it. We're, gonna, I'm saving it. I'm just, I'm just saying, she's not in jail yet. That's a, that's all, all I'm saying. Right. Listen, uh, if you want to hear my my, my if, explanations, if you want to hear about wait that, till the end. yeah, you need to exactly. Yeah, relay.fm slash membership. Learn how you See, can access. This is why I invited a psychologist that specializes in Twitch drama and mediates it because we need we need a professional Christina to shake this out. This Do you want to tease what you're talking about? Well, we'll we'll save it. We'll save it for the for the second. Y'all gotta pay, pay us our eight dollars and you can learn all about this. about how how I'm gonna have to pay Brianna money. Anyway, that that's the long and short of it. But yeah, you definitely want to tune in. Oh my gosh. All right, let's get to the top of the show. FTX, still in the news, because guess what? When a billion-dollar company utterly collapses, it's kind of hard to parse out everything that is going on and everything that led up to it. I think, like, even in our discussion of what happened with FTX last week, it was like, there's so there's so much. We could go on so much longer. We I feel like we barely scratched the surface. So FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto exchange, collapsed last week in dramatic fashion with revelations of uh, gross mismanagement um, and potentially, potentially criminal mismanagement. Uh, there are investigations underway uh, and absolute chaos has reigned ever since then. Uh, as the Wall Street Journal writes, Bankman Fried's companies were playing fast and loose with money, with records, with little things like Having HR departments, they didn't, FTX didn't, or having things like rosters of employees or terms of employment also didn't have those. Uh, <laughs> we know that 
10 of the uh, the company's top employees shared a millions of dollar multi-million dollar penthouse in a Bahamas resort where work and stimulants and sex were part of the daily routine. I was going to say which, don't don't sleep on the sex part. That's I like didn't. I'm sorry, it's the, mo- <laughs> it's the most it's the most interesting part of this whole thing. I don't it, think it is. I disagree, but it sounds very stressful, but does explain why Bankman-Fried was reportedly able to pitch to investors while playing League of Legends because <laughs> amphetamines exists and this is not an endorsement he was it's only just bronze an observation. Tier. if you're taking endorsements <laughs> and you're bronze tier and lol like i'm sorry like maybe give it yeah. up maybe, also, maybe find a new hobby also i've been on amphetamines for most of my life like you're not doing them right guys like okay, i don't know how else more to say. i don't Christina, know how else more to say what that. rank are you in league of legends then <laughs> i'd be higher than him is all i'm saying like, okay. I don't play League of Legends because I have better things to do. But yeah, it kind of really makes good. me feel like, I mean, obviously, this show's Golden Goose, not Golden Goose. Um, What's the, the the thing that we want more than anything would be to, like, get Anna Delvey on as a guest. However, yes, I think right. our sub goal should potentially be to, like, play League of Legends on a team against Sam Bankman free. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, that would be. <laughs> Yeah, we could just. I, mean, I know there, there's amazing. like not a way to pit you against him individually. I would not be an asset to you in this. Let me just tell you right up, I would not. I would like I to would be, be on his team. Asset. I yes. would love to be on his team. And and here's the great part: either you help him win, or you help <gasps> him lose. But if we're going to compare your your amphetamine usage, this is what I oh, care I- about. I, I mean, Ooh. I mean, look, I'm 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 speaking out of my ass here. I'm sure he's a better League of Legends player than I am. I just he's think that tier. he's not. <laughs> I'm just saying he's probably is better Kotaku than me. I'm just reported on this. That's garbage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, anyone with the pulse can be bronze tier, right? And I'm saying I'm probably bronze tier too, and he's probably better than me still. I'm just saying, Christina, I believe as, in you. You are not bronze tier. You are you are I, at least wow. you're well, gold tier in my heart. That thank you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I could like give him some like advice on how to how to like take amphetamines properly. That's I'm just like <laughs> put, put okay. the League of Legends stuff aside. We'll, like, we'll set the League of yes. Legends question aside, and we'll also set this particular line of thought aside. As I continue to say, you like from the beginning of this, uh, when he was talking to Kelsey Piper at Vox, when all of the details were coming out about how tied together FTX and Alameda Research were, it was obvious that he you know, bore responsibility for what happened. I think there was initially a question of like, was this somebody being like ignorant and in over their head or was it deeper than that? And I think what's become increasingly clear is like there, there's a very real, like the possibility of something criminal happening here is very real because the, the way that he played fast and loose with billions and billions of dollars which are now lost which is not just vc money but money of regular people who had either invested or uh, purchased mm-hmm. ftts which were ftx's uh or people who had money on the exchange yeah people who had money on the exchange which is just now what which like people who have money on the exchange which was then you know taken to buy real estate with no records question mark <laughs> uh it's it's an absolute absolute mess um and we are it's still not clear quite what is happening we do know that apple tv has purchased the rights to ah, the so book good. that is being written 
And oh gosh, what was the other? Is it Hulu that is um, trying to no, get a limited? It's, it's Amaz- Amazon. Okay, so and and these are both high level things. So the book is based. Uh, so it's not written yet, but Michael yes. Lewis has been embedded with him for the last six months, which is oh the God. greatest journalism coup of all time. Because Michael Lewis, of course, is is the um, award winning author who wrote, um, you know, um, uh, Flash Boys and uh, The Blind Side and um, the um, Big Short, the Big Short. Thank you. And Moneyball. Uh, he's just a fantastic writer. Uh, and he'd wanted to do a crypto thing, and he'd mentioned to the Financial Times a few months ago, that, like he'd found the person that he didn't know what the story was going to be yet, but he was like, I, I found a character that I can kind of, I think, base this world off of and that character was was Sam Bankman-Fried which Oops. honestly that's would have been a brilliant choice regardless of all this stuff yeah. uh but 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 he's been embedded with him for 6 months and so uh the book isn't even done yet and his agents were already selling the movie rights Apple bought the movie rights everybody was bidding on it Amazon then got um 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 Ryan Johnson and uh somebody else um to basically um it, his, his writing partner to do like a, a, a series for them. So Jonah Hill's going to be in one of these projects. I think we can pretty much guarantee that, right? Don't we think? That's what they were saying on script notes as well uh, on the um, John August and Craig Mason's uh, script writing podcast script notes. They were talking about like they have a segment called Can This Be a Movie? And their theme, I think it was this week, was, you know, these billion dollar stories. We had the um, Lotto story of last week we have this story um and there was one other which i i unfortunately can't remember what it is but like this this is going to be a movie it's not at this point can it be a movie but it will be i think the question is like how much uh, basing it off of the the yet to be written book i i only have high hopes for that just because of i think his track michael lewis's track record and everything I do worry about a sort of rush to tape with I agree. this because it, it it's still it's complicating. Well, yeah. no, it is, and 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 it's complicated. And I think that as long as like that's understood, I think that like in mm-hmm. general, I'm not a fan of buying the rights before the book's even done. Yeah, although that actually happens a lot more than you would think. Um, you know, uh, things sure. are, are are not done, and and it happens with TV shows. It happens with movies. Michael Lewis's track record is impeccable. Yep. Uh, so I have zero doubts about him. I'm a little more uh, like circumspect on like the, 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 the series. Um, and look, it could always turn out like the, uh, we still don't know what's going to happen with the Elizabeth Holmes movie because Jennifer Lawrence has dropped out. She was what? like, Amanda. Si- yeah. She said, she said Amanda Sifrid like killed it. And wow. she's like, I can't do any better. That's, so, so, that's so, so, so she's actually gone. fair. That's actually fair. I agree, but but then you don't know like what they're going to do with that because Bad Blood was such a huge bestseller, and Adam McKay's been attached to that. So, you know, there is like the question of uh, you know uh, sometimes I love the the dueling projects and sometimes maybe it can be too much. I think the good news with you know this what you is you do is you bring in Amanda Seyfried for the second one too. <laughs> just let her do, I mean, honestly, just let her do both. Honestly, I yeah. I, I, honestly, I would I would I would approve of it. I think that if anybody could could do it, and actually, uh, there have been uh, there have been times that that's happened before, where you've seen the same um, actor play the same character uh, across different films. But um, the great thing about the FTX thing, I think, Simone, and let me know what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, it's still so much of it is unfolding, and we have so much drama to get through, and we still don't even know what all the crimes are. And I'll I, I'm going to go on record and say 
there's some crimes afoot. There's some uh, crimes. That, that there is, uh, like, there's so much good content that can be mined here. Yeah. And I, I, so I think one of the things that, set, that sets this story apart is as comparing it to other dramas that have happened is that it does have a pretty colorful cast of characters. And that's something I think we'll, we'll talk about this week since we didn't really talk about it last week. Um, there's this house of 10 people in the Bahamas and part of the the reporting on this story, which like I, I, I don't love the focus on the polycule. However, there's also uh, some bad cultural implications. So Caroline Ellison, who was the she CEO sucks. of... Alameda Research and Bankman Freed's uh, girlfriend at, on occasions. Uh, some of her t- old Tumblr blogs have been oh unearthed <sighs> and reported on it's by Decrypt.co and Jezebel, among other outlets. And not only, I mean, aside from this being my personal worst nightmare to have oh, yeah, mine too. old blogs from like freaking college unearthed, like okay, it's but she pretty was, clear she, she was that. still keeping she was still keeping them up to date. And, like and, let's, yeah, let's be clear and up to now, yeah, and and linking to them on Twitter and stuff. Um, it seems that she had an interest in some eugenics, eugenics, oh, yeah, race yeah. science. Oh well, um, yeah, the total, which a lot of very smart people um are into that. That's a very common thing. Uh, she's also uh, before she got big into, quotation marks yeah, around smart. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. well, no, 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 no. But I'm sorry, really I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put quotations around it though, because it is actually a very common thing amongst people who go to high, like Ivy League schools and Stanford and MIT and whatnot. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a fact. Like I'm yeah, not saying everyone I, who goes there does. The phrasing of that smart okay. people are interested in eugenics. Well, uh, well people is who not are considered. <laughs> well, people who. Well, I'm. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying people I know. who. who I, that's who, why I'm helping you to clarify it. People who are like her and are of this group who consider themselves to be the most elite of the most elite people who get into the things like effective altruism i'm sorry there is a, it the, the venn diagram might as well be a circle in terms mm-hmm. of people who believe in what is essentially eugenics like it, it's i, I yeah. mean elon it's, musk it's, 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 started yeah. reading about guinness uh, khan and how like a lot of people around the world can trace their lineage back to him because he had so many children. That's literally right. why he's been effing every single woman right. he crosses right. on the street lately. <laughs> exactly. It's, because he owns his progeny. Like, well, it's no. a eugenics thing. It, well, I mean, it's well, just well, a they, fact. It yeah. is. And the, the, the way that they frame it is that this is how they're helping society because they <sighs> are so good that Thanks, if they dude. do all these things, then then society will be better off. It's gross. It's, it's, it's completely yeah. grotesque. She's also, like, before she got into Polly, she was, like, basically a trad wife. Like mm-hmm. oh that God. was her whole thing was she was like, well, I, you well, know, there's a huge I, I, overlap between, I mean, not just eugenics and uh, effective altruism, but Catholicism and effective altruism is my understanding of it. So that totally makes sense to me. Although I don't, I don't know if she was Catholic because like her parents are like, are, are, um, are, you know, like Stanford professors. Um, and, uh, I, you know, like, I don't know what her, and, and Ellison is, I think is, is Jewish, but like, she was very much like conservative. Mm-hmm. like trad background until she got into to poly stuff but she even even once she was doing that very much the like i'm not like other girls girl <laughs> mm-hmm. so you're you're doing the trad wife thing then you have one night it changes your whole life and then you're poly posting eugenics blog stuff uh on the internet that's that's it's that's a slippery amazing. slope it's a slippery yep. slope um so yeah, it's it's absolutely. I mean, I think that that is par- probably part of the 
Hollywood appeal as well. And I, I think that totally. we see that with um, Bad Blood and Theranos is that it's not just this story of you know, a, a young woman who did something criminal um, and defrauded a lot of people and, and in a, a million dollar scheme. It's also there is this sexual aspect of like the the terrible relationship at the center of it all between her and Sunny Belwani, which is nebulous and sordid and I ripe for exploitation, which is not to say it should be exploited, but like that's something that I mean, as a writer, you would look at and be like, oh my God, what's going right. on there? And this has that times 10. Yeah. <laughs> Which and, is and why I, I am concerned about the quality of productions that are going to be made about it because it is so oh, easy yeah. to look <laughs> at to mess that it up. and, you know, like to over index nerds in a freaking resort in the Bahamas, like making millions of dollars and getting it on. Like there, there's a real low aspect to this that I'm just not anticipating. Yeah, uh, um, I, I do. I do want to have a real quick correction. Uh, Caroline Ellison's parents are not Stanford professors. That's Sam Bankman's Freed's oh, parents. Right, right, right. Her parents are MIT professors. Oh, okay. well, gotcha, gotcha. Well, well, the Catholic part would make a lot more sense if it's Boston. So <laughs> there it is. We'll find out. Again, I think she's Jewish, um, but yeah. Um, I want to talk uh, just before, um, I know we're trying to keep the show shorter yeah. today, but I want to talk about some of the Twitter drums that came up with all the media uh, companies that uh, 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 Sam Bankman Freed was uh, alleged to have found, uh, put money on. You know, uh, yeah. one of these is obviously the Intercept. Uh, they put out an emergency note saying, "Hey, we've got a huge hole in our budget because we don't think this hundred million dollars is coming now." Um, oh, obviously, that's a little bit stressful. And of course, uh, today, uh, um, you know, Elon. Uh, was reported that, uh, you know, uh, basically he was an investor or had the option to invest in uh, in Elon's version of Twitter. Uh, uh, ben over at Semifor, uh came forward and was talking about uh, basically breaking the text messages on that story. And Elon started attacking him, pointing out that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, essentially an uh, investor in uh, Semaphore. So, you know, if you look yes, at the coverage, was. which I did, uh, they disclosed all the way. I personally don't see an ethical problem here. I think there's a wider discussion to be had about how, uh, you know, they basically bought people on both sides of the aisle and kind of a political yeah. move. Um, I will say I, this. I want to throw that out to y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I will say this. Um, I, I don't think that Semaphore's coverage in any way was shaped by nope. uh, um, Sam Bankman-Fried's investment. I will say this, though. I do think, and I understand that they are raising money, um, uh, the, the, the the two Bens, uh, or the two Smiths, rather, Ben and Justin, um, raising money for this thing, and you want to get it from wherever you can. I think that... Um, I think that it was a mistake and, and would continue to be a mistake to take money from someone like him um, mm -hmm. if you're doing a yeah. media a company, uh, personally. Um, why, it, why it is also, I mean, I'm not disagreeing. Because I think just, it's a conflict yeah. of interest. I don't think it's, I, I think it's a conflict of interest. I think that when your principals are also part of your editorial staff and they're part of the fundraising process and you have someone yeah. who, if you're doing a financial publication, are going to have play in it, I think it's a conflict. I don't okay. think it's appropriate. I think I, I think that's fair. I can get on board with that. Um, oh. but I, I but I will say like, and this is a fact. Like Sam Bankman-Fried did own a hundred million dollars in Twitter stock that he bought before Elon took over, 
um, and and the the text messages were all part of the the court um, proceedings um, between like one of his handlers and um, and Elon and and uh, Sam Bankman-Fried had really really wanted to get involved and like the handler really wanted Elon to get on board and it did seem I will the only credit the only thing I will give Elon at all is he did seem completely uninterested from the beginning in him like he uh-huh. didn't really seem to want to talk to him but. You know, uh, as things were getting closer, he was like, well, you know, could he, how much money could he roll into it? Um, and, and Sam Bankman-Fried had basically was like, look, regulation stuff is too hot. I can't get involved, but agreed to roll his money that he'd had in the stock to not take it out of the market and to to, to let it roll. Um, uh, the similar to the way Jack Dorsey's state has continued to roll over um, in, into the new thing. So, you know. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by StoryWorth. When the holiday season rolls around, you start thinking about finding a unique gift for your loved ones. And finding something special gets more difficult every year. This year, why not give the people that you care about StoryWorth? StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that helps connect you to the important people in your life. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast options. Each unique prompt asks, asks questions you've probably never thought to ask, but would be curious to know, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth compiles all of your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a keepsake book, baby, that you'll be able to share with others in your family and revisit for generations to come. And reading the weekly stories can help bridge that distance if you live a long way away from your loved ones. I know I personally was just thinking about that because like, I live across the country from my mom, across the ocean from my dad, across the country from like a couple of my like very best friends. And I go through periods of finding it really, really difficult to keep up. I think when you're just relying on social media and like messaging messaging services to be like, hey, here's what the stew that I'm eating today, it can be really hard to make the time for those more meaningful conversations and like sharing of aspects of your lives that you might do more regularly if you are together and having something that is a meaningful and like more provocative regular check-in to share things that might not just like come up during the day as you're apart and you know going about your daily life like that's I think a really good way to to be able to start those conversations and then keep those conversations because they're not just going to be lost in the you know record the in in the history of of your whatsapp or whatever but they'll be in a freaking book after a year for you to have and cherish with StoryWorth, you know you're giving those you love a thoughtful personal gift from the heart and helping to preserve their memories and stories for years to come go to storyworth.com slash rocket and save ten dollars on your first purchase that is storyworth.com slash rocket to save ten dollars on your first purchase. Our thanks to StoryWorth for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. It's the holidays, baby. They're coming. Y'all know what I just realized we have here in Riverside, our new recording service? What's, What's that? that? A button that says add marker. 
I could use this to mark your freaking swears, you absolute beasts. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. Hey, and I, I am innocent of sin. I am you innocent. are. It's me. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And, we and we are sorry, all at that's... some points guilty of sin. Um, I will test okay, this out. I will fair. keep keeping timestamps because that's how Jim is used to it. But I will, I'm going to test this bad boy out. All right. Somebody give me an occasion to swear. Bob Chapek is out. Bob Iger is in at Disney. Yeah. He is back. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> clip created from Marker. Uh oh. I hope that worked. Um, Bob Iger returns as CEO of Disney. He is doing some organizing within the company and stressing everyone out. Although the stocks they do be up. He started with the Disney Media and Ent- Entertainment Div- Distribution Division. Goodness, let me try that one again. Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution Division, uh, which had been a project of his successor predecessor Bob Chapek, who had the miserable luck of taking over at Disney like in the teeth of the pandemic immediately before it began. Disney's board, that being said, had previously voted this summer to extend Chapek's contract, but nevertheless, he has had a pretty controversial time at the helm of our cultural overlord uh, during his tenure. Uh, Disney, it did launch Disney Plus, that's a plus, but also saw the lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson over uh, Black Widow's distribution on said just, platform. Just, just a quick correction. Yeah. Disney Plus launched before. Oh, shoot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, it did? Yeah. Oh, it my launched, God. It launched on November 12th, uh, 2019. I remember this because it was my birthday. Time. Time is a grotesque thing, and it's making a mockery of us all. Sorry. Okay, so that was Iger, baby. Iger did that. Chapek did see the lawsuit uh, with Scarlett Johansson over Black Widow being distri- distributed on Disney Plus rather than in theaters, uh, denying her uh, royalties. Or they're not called royalties. Residuals. Thank you. Uh, and a huge outcry over Disney's fence riding uh, over the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. Uh, Disney having you know outsized sway there because it is one of Florida's largest employers. Um, so it's been a spotty tenure for Chapek. He is now out. Iger, who I, I think is commonly thought of as like a brilliant and, and creative mind, is stepping into a role that is now more managerial. Like like you pointed out, Christina, Disney Plus is launched now. Um, he has to contend with a world that is a lot more saturated in streaming services than before. Um shows becoming increasingly more siloed to their platforms. It's a very different time. Um, but he's back. And I think there's the, the markets certainly seem to be excited about it. Um, I think there, most people are pretty excited about it. Although the, how much of that do you think is nostalgia for, I guess his previous tenure at the company? I mean, I'm sure that some of it is, but also his previous tenure was also like, three years ago mm-hmm. and, and, and and he was chairman of the board until I think December. So he, his, his total time away from the company was less than a year. Yep. So I, you know, uh, I, I also think like we should note in terms of, of CEOs other than Tim Cook, I think, and, and um, uh, what's his face from Ford, um, um, Alan Mulally or whatever, like uh, Bob Iger is, he's in the CEO hall of fame. Period. But but yeah. I think that other than than Tim Cook, like he's probably been one of the the best non-founder CEOs of um 
a uh, of a major brand, especially when you consider what he took on when he took over Disney from uh, Michael Eisner um, in 2005, which was the middle of a proxy war uh, with uh, the, um, uh, you know, um, with the Disney family and some other stuff. And there was there was a lot of drama. He's a fantastic executive. So um, I'm sure that there's some of it that's some nostalgia stuff, but I think there's also a, a growing consensus that I would probably agree with that Disney's last three years would have been significantly better if he had been in charge versus the parks guy. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw a new Disney movie last night, which is uh, Strange Worlds, right? And um, I don't expect this movie to do very well again, not because it's a bad movie. It's really, really good. It's kind of a, a 50s um rocket ship like mysterious worlds <laughs> adventure with like beautiful 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 uh like design work through the world um but i don't expect this movie to do well for the same reason that lightyear bombed like there's no hype around it the way that really big disney movies get hype and you know there there have been some grumblings out there about um, you know his leadership and how it sure seems like a coincidence every time some Disney movie or, or big property comes out that has some diverse themes that he sure seems to kind of bury that in the schedule. I mean, it was true with Lightyear, and it sure seems to be true with with Strange Worlds. Um, it just it kind of seems like it, it seems like. Like the you know the Marvel uh, Star Wars machine that's unlocked that's going to get hyped out no matter what, but mm-hmm. the rest of the stuff they're doing it really feels like there's this tension at the company where the the creators it seems to me are trying to go in one direction like um like Strange Worlds like you know there's a everybody is like it's a biracial marriage at the center of it. Um, everybody, like there's hardly anyone that's white. Uh, the gay kid is like the, the main protagonist and his love thing is like the motivation for the character. Like even the dog is disabled. <laughs> like even the old white dude has no problem with his grandson being gay. Like it's, it's just, it's, they're really pushing in one direction. And it feels like at the same time, you know, the Disney management, uh, for instance, really kind of rolled over with the don't say gay bill with, uh, you know, uh, down in Florida with DeSantis. So it, it feels to me that there's some real um, a culture mismatch between, like, the leadership and what the direction the, cre- the creatives actually make these work uh, clearly want to go in. That's something that I don't necessarily see changing with a new CEO, which is the, I mean, the unfortunate thing at the heart of this all, like, I I I do genuinely feel like I mean I I will always be in the camp of like we we cannot be looking to companies like Disney for any yeah. kind of like reinforcement of 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 identity and representation because they will always be concerned with their bottom line over everything um and Bob Iger is good at the bottom line <laughs> um, in, in a way that perhaps Chapek won't be. So, I mean, obviously, I do hope that 
that we could live in a world where that could be profitable. Um, but I'm also kind of losing my mind because to your point, Brianna, about these films being buried, this is the first time I've heard about this movie existing. And I'm <laughs> looking so at the good. Wikipedia it's page really right good. now and I'm like, yeah. you didn't just make this up for this podcast. <laughs> it's a real movie that has freaking Jake Gyllenhaal in it. And yeah. I, I haven't heard of it. It's a Disney movie. That's nuts. Uh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, part of the problem had been that they were kind of had this like glut of content um, because of the pandemic, because there were some things that they had to rearrange some things that were held back. And then a lot of things that they kind of got together. They also spent a ridiculous amount, like they increased their amount of of spending um, over the last two and a half years. You know, Mm -hmm. the amount of money that they spent on content, like uh, just went through the roof trying to be competitive. Of course, this happens to coincide with uh, the crash of, of of Netflix and kind of the the overall like you know streaming malaise, so there seem to be some some downsides there. I don't want to sound like an Iger apologist, although I am a a big fan of his as as much as someone can be like a fan of like a business executive. But I will say first of all, his comments, other than Chapex, were much more like forceful about the don't say Gable yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. like when that happened. <clears throat> Um, and I have no doubt in my mind that he would have handled that situation completely differently yeah. because there was no reason for Disney to be fence sitting and to capitulate. You are what, like yeah. the state of Florida needs you more than you need them. That is a fact. Right. And 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 so to, to you know, to act that way was just a complete miscalculation. And and honestly, the whole reason Ch- Chapek, um, by all reporting, was fired was because of how poorly he handled the earnings call mm-hmm. um, the, the first week of November. Um, they they announced and and kind of buried it in the lead that there was this one and a half billion dollar loss for Disney Plus and mm-hmm. and he just kind of like treated it like a nonchalant thing and then didn't handle it well at all and then when the stock tanked then they like you know seemed to be on on the you know um, defensive and and uh, you know putting out well maybe we'll be doing layoffs or or getting people prepared for layoffs. Mm-hmm. The other thing is kind of to your point Bri and I don't know if, how much this will change or not, but Iger was a much better executive in terms of schmoozing with the creative teams. Mm-hmm. Like he knew those people and would sit at events with them and would do the things that you frankly probably need to do as the CEO of Disney. Uh and 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 Chapek had come from consumer product and he'd come from the parks. And that just really wasn't his thing. So I don't know if that's going to change anything overall. Look, they were both lifers. And and I should also say, and this is an indictment on on, on, on uh, Iger, like Chapek was his handpicked successor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Iger, I don't think he ever wanted to retire. He put it off like four times. He never wanted to leave. He clearly was super happy to get the call and was like, yup, I will literally do anything to go back in the game. I, I don't know if he's going to, but it is a different world, as you said. It, it's not the same place. And and uh, I don't know if he's going to have the same success that he had beforehand. But, you know, uh, I, I don't think that you could pick a better, per, like, I don't know if a better executive exists to be running Disney right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I, I obviously agree with that. I really agree. He, he has, He's made a lot of public statements, obviously pushing back on DeSantis and the, the don't say gay bill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want this to be the focus of, of this segment, but I do just want to say, uh, Simone, I, I don't really, it's not that I disagree with you that we need to be 
we don't need to be looking to Disney for our moral cues for like what the right thing to do Mm -hmm. in society is like ultimately they, they are a company and they're going to do the right thing. I do think that a company normalizing certain things and treating it as as nonchalantly and just including people and not making a big deal out of it, I think that's a huge thing. And I think maybe a reason for the disconnect we may feel is, like, I grew up in Mississippi, in Mm. Redneck, Mississippi, like church three times a week. And the message I was getting on the Disney Channel was radically different than what I was getting out there in the real world. Like stuff like don't treat people with black skin differently than you. (sighs) Like that was a very different message that I was getting. So I I do think those, I think that does have value. And I, I personally think it's important. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I think that's a, a blind spot for me. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, as far as the world that Iger is entering into, uh, brief just to briefly touch on, I guess, the uh, landscape of streaming one last time. Obviously, it's not going to be the only thing that he is concerned with, but I think that, as you pointed out, Christina, Disney has spent billions of dollars building up a content library for Disney+, Plus, even though they already had all of the Disney movies and shows. Um, I I do think this landscape we're in where a lot of these big streaming services are now paying, you know, millions, billions of dollars to create bespoke content. They're no longer in a world where they can simply, you know, they're they're not simply licensing things that have come out in theaters or licensing older content that already exists. Like it's a really competitive and brutal landscape. And it's pretty clear that that has to, because of how siloed it's become, change in some way over the next I'm out of time. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. What do we think about Iger's, I guess, the, the the problems that he's facing when it comes to the landscape of of streaming, which is, I think, part of where, you know, our show's technology focus overlaps with the CEO of, of Disney. Because to me, it seems like it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone can de-silo at this point, but it's not a problem that I, I really have a, an answer to. It's more of an observation. It's not a question, but an observation. Brianna, what do you think? I I think that I, I hear what you're saying, and the, the content that they're producing is obviously extremely expensive. Uh, as we're recording this, the Andor uh, finale just came out today. It's stunning, right? Mm-hmm. It cost a ton of money. Like, the number of extras they had to have out there doing, like, these shots – like I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm just thinking about the dollar signs. Like it's a it's a first tier short. It, like it's like shooting a Disney movie, like a, a yeah. Star Wars movie every single week. It's really top tier. You know, at the same time, I gotta say, if you're not putting out, you know, Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Andor, like I'm not there for the Chippendale Rescue Ranger reboot. I'm just not. So, you know, if you want my money, I I feel like you do have to bring that top tier content to it. So I agree, it's it's very competitive. Uh, but I mean, that's just the breaks. Like we don't pay for cable nowadays, and you know, like this is the way it's done. Christine, any thoughts on the landscape of streaming? I mean, it's tough. It's tough because everyone has spent all this money. And uh, 
I think that that's going to be coming to an end. I think I, and, and honestly, I think that that it got to a point where people were spending too much money and they were greenlighting yeah. too many things. If we're being completely honest, yep. to the point where you were saturating your your product and not necessarily with the best things. Um, HBO to me has always been the gold standard uh, because one of the great things about broadcast has been that you know you only have so many hours that you could program, and so you have to learn restraint. Constraints are a good thing. Um, and and so I think that all of the streaming services are going to now have to contend with what they do with less money, but also how can you be a broad service? And also, you know, because there are going to be plenty of people who do want the the Chippendale Rescue Rangers reboot, right? And and yeah. people who want the other things. Like how how do you be all things to all people? I don't know. I think that that's, that's an open question. And, and I don't think that they've, They've, they've quite uh, cracked that nut. There have also been a lot of talks about like, you know, the the kind of the elephant in the room. Um, and Iger had spoken about this actually at the Code Conference a couple of months ago about how like Disney had been a broadcast service and now had to move into the the streaming age. And that's very true. And and certainly the bottom has fallen out of like the broadcast and the cable um, uh, buckets. But as, as much as those revenues are dropping, they're still substantial and they're not being replaced by streaming. So it, it is this difficult thing. One question I would have for you, Brie, and I know that we're trying to keep our show short, but I wanted to ask you because you've actually been to the parks um, during pandemic and, and um, you know, now kind of as things have opened up more and I have not. Have you noticed a difference in the, the Disney World experience, um, you know, from 2019 through now, like and not just from the, you know, the, the things that have changed, you know, because of, of, of pandemic related changes. Have you noticed um, like a, a change in quality and kind of maybe a change in like, you know, service level and whatnot in the parks? I'd be curious about that because one of the things that a lot of people have been really critical of, uh, ironically, Chapek was the parks guy, but he seems to have mm-hmm. really just like nickel and dimed every little thing to try to squeeze oh, revenue yeah. out of the parks. And I was just curious, since you go so frequently, what your experience has been on that. It, it's very much synonymous with that. I mean, um, I, the biggest thing I've noticed is everyone's a lot angrier. Um, just just everyone's angrier. The guests are angrier. The The park people just seem stressed out and very tired. Like, that's, that's very apparent to me. Um, just, there are a lot of little things with the hotels, like the, the, the shampoo is just not the quality it used to be. Like the hotels are a lot more understaffed compared to what they used to be. So yeah, um, just top to bottom. That's absolutely, um, my experience here. Things aren't as clean as they used to be like a bunch of things like that. Grim. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on the future of Disney. Do we think this little company can make it in the brand new world? We'll find out. I want these rumors that Apple is going to buy Disney to die. Apple is not going to buy Disney. Disney's not for sale. This up. It's stupid. Disney's not for sale. Disney's not for sale. Although the one interesting rumor I did hear: What if Disney bought Netflix? Now I don't think the regulators would allow it, but. Oh, that would but, be so intriguing. But Did you, that, that, that could happen. Literally, as I was researching this show, just to briefly say, I saw the story about how I, I think the FTC wants is looking into or wanting to block the yeah, Microsoft the acquisition deal. of yeah. Activision, which would uh, really derail a project that I'm working on right now <sighs> in terms of a script that I thought was locked. But doesn't matter. Speaking of small companies that are trying to make it, Mastodon, <laughs> the decentralized social networking tool, 
is once again getting a lot of attention in the wake of the chaos that Elon Musk has wrought at Twitter. Every time something bad happens at Twitter, um, somebody will inevitably, uh, inevitably go, "Go! what about Mastodon? Go to Mastodon. But this time, uh, the shift is bigger than ever before. Uh, some are, It's possible, some are saying that with Elon Musk's uh, hardcore ultimatum at Twitter, Twitter, hardcore ultimatum at Twitter, it's possible that Twitter has lost something like 90% of its employees. Mastodon is, is getting a lot of attention and it's getting a lot of growth. Uh, its creator, Eugen Rochko, told The New Yorker that its active users have grown from 300,000 to almost 2 million over the last month, uh, which is a huge number for a like small small company, a small, small company of multiple small platforms, you know, where users have to pay to run instances, to run servers, uh, to create these little communities. Our very own, uh, Brianna Wu and Christina Warren have been on Mastodon, uh, because they are, uh, tech early adopters. Uh, but obviously it, with all the attention it's gotten of late with people treating it, I think more than ever as like, okay, this is, this is where we're going. I see so many people every day going, all right, I'm on Mastodon. You can find me here um, and on Hive as well, but I'm not on there yet. So we will, we'll talk, we'll save that one for another week. But what is the experience like on Mastodon? What are you experiencing and where are you experiencing it? Brianna, let's and Christina, start with you. this is your topic. Why okay, you Christina, let's start with you. I mean, I, I, I kind of hate it. I, 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 you have grievances. I hate all of this. I hate all of you this. Hate I hate that like I hate that like my home has been like burned and and disrupted and I, I I hate the change. I really really I'm not happy with any of this. And it's not been a fast death. Like so many I it was literally last week that everyone was like this could be the end of Twitter. Bye everybody. And the next day it was still there. And yeah, it's a little more broken than before. And there are less users than before. But it's still freaking there. The death, if it is indeed a death, we don't know, is slow and excruciating and annoying. Which is part of why, like, people are, you know, going to Mastodon and then tweeting about it. But, like, what is it What is it about your Mastodon experience that has displeased you so? <laughs> okay. So the user interface is not great. And it's, I mean, look, it's, it's Linux on the desktop for social networks. Like that's, that's the analogy. And, and I say that as someone who has used Linux on the desktop for many, 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 many years and has also kind of made like a career, like dunking on Linux on the desktop. So <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm both guilty of it and I, I like have made fun of it. Right. These You're are like things a double that I, agent. Yeah. Kind of. Well, look, I, I love what it stands for. I love what it's trying to do. I love ActivityPub, which is one of the standards that Mastodon uses that other things can use, too. I love the idea of federation. But I, I hate the fact that the little that each instance, which has its own rules, has its own rules and, and is run by little fiefdoms that are very insular and very eye roll inducing. I'm sorry, but they are. I've already heard from so many people who are like, no, you can't be on this instance because there's this drama going on. Okay, well, I'll go to this <laughs> instance. No, you can't go to this instance because there's this drama going on. Okay, well, where the hell am I supposed to go, right? Like, I thought this was supposed to be better. Mm -hmm. So there's the complication of where are you supposed to go? Then there's the complication of everybody's on these different instances. And yes, you can follow people across instances. But if you get banned on an instance, moving over is difficult. Like, and I've seen people get their posts removed because... 
They made jokes that that weren't good. A lot of the Mastodon people, understandably, are very angry at the influx of Twitter users. And hey, look, Uh. I get it. I totally understand where you're coming from. We've all been the the people who have seen like our social networks like inundated with the normies. I totally get it. At the same time, it's either an open standard or it's not. So you can either accept that there will be people in instances that adhere to things that you don't like or you or what's the point of this? Um, I just I, 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 I'm personally just I'm still kind of in denial that I'm potentially going to have to use this what I consider to be a very subpar um, system to what is not even great software to begin with. Twitter's not exactly great to begin with. But I, I guess I have the question of like, what are if it is it it is so different from Twitter, like the as you said, the fundamental difference between them is Twitter is this huge a melting pot to use an overtired <laughs> phrase like everyone in the freaking world is there and Mastodon. It's so much more segmented. So why are you there when forcibly the experience is going to be so much different? Because people keep moving over and I want to... Mm-hmm. You want to stay in so touch? It was, so, so it's two things. One is that there are people who claim that they will only be on Mastodon now. And look, I think that 99% of them are probably lying and I'll see you on Twitter next week. <laughs> but some of them might actually go. And and then the, the the secondary thing is, and I'll just be very honest, for me, this is a very selfish thing. It's like hedging your bets. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I have, There's I have, with that. I have 105,000 followers on Twitter. I've built 15 years of my life on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to not have anything. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, can I ask if this is not okay? Like, what's the drama that people are saying you can't go over to X server? I, I miss that. Oh, yeah. There, no, there's a lot of it. So, so Mastodon.social is one of the main instances and it's one of right. the default ones. It's closed That's out. What I'm on. But a lot of people are very upset with it because they don't like um, uh, Eugen. They don't like. Um, some of his moderation policies and they think that it's not good enough in some ways or others and, oh. and, and doesn't adhere to stuff. So then they want to block list that server. Then like my 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 friend and, and, and colleague, Chris Nova, created this um, instance, hackyderm.io, which is for a lot of tech people. And then some instances got really mad at that because Nova basically <sighs> was like, well, if corporations want to be on it, because b- to be clear, companies are already considering like brand brand teams and social media teams are already trying to consider, should we join? Should we create our own instance that just, you know, federates us? Like, what should we do? Should we be part of this? For merely saying, I will consider letting corporations apply and have a presence on the on the instance. Oh, oh no. How dare you have corporations have any oh, association no. with this oh, at all? God. We're now going to ban the instance from interacting with our instances oh, because God. we're so against that. Then there was the journal host thing, which is just gatekeeping of a bunch of people who claim who can and can't be a journalist, where there was a whole like, honestly, both parties involved, I think, are completely inseparable. But the whole drama there was ridiculous. And that blew up into a whole fight over the weekend. That's Mm -hmm. just three. And there are more that I could get into. The whole thing is honestly just and I love petty Internet drama. I love it. But I don't want to have to think about it when I'm trying to choose yeah. what's going to be my new home. Right? And especially with the way that people can knee jerk react to like, oh, you're part of that. Exactly. And like you don't maybe you don't know. I, what's so uh, interesting to me about this is like <laughs> I, I feel like there is nothing new under the sun with social networks, because this to me, what you're describing sounds like a combination of Reddit and live journal communities. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. 
100%. Um, Including the catty drama. (laughs) Oh, exactly. Except what makes it worse is that because these people can control their instances and the rules on that, they have even more of like a God complex. Yeah, yeah, more so So, than Reddit. You're exactly right. It is like Reddit and LiveJournal. Like it's that times 10. And um, so look, I think that the protocol, though, is really interesting. There is this thing that they, that it uses called Activity Pub, which is an open standard, which basically means you can syndicate your content, your posts, and whatnot. Uh, Matt Mullen, like I said, that Tumblr is going to adopt yes. Activity Pub, and yes. so that potentially could mean that you could have people be able to follow your Tumblr posts in their Mastodon clients and whatnot, and and have a way to keep up with people that way. And maybe mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as interactive the same way Twitter is, but that I actually don't hate the idea of being like, hey, I can follow someone's posts and no matter what type of, you know, um, instance I'm on or or, or how I'm um, consuming things that I that I kind of like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. But I hate I mean, all of this. My thoughts are not as hostile as yours. I mean, I I so I have found joining Mastodon to be a really painless way to get 10,000 followers. Just just being straight with you. You know, I got on some list and everything I put over there, it, it gets engagement. It's not as good as Twitter. It's slow. The interface is bad. The main problem I have is I can broadcast stuff and get like, you know, likes and retweets and comments and all of that. But I I can't, there's no standard feed to learn things from, Right. Um, like the most valuable thing about Twitter is following all the journalists and just knowing what bullshit honky happened every day. <laughs> so, if we had been myself. on video today, you would have seen me just like sit bolt upright and, and like with my hand <laughs> poised over the keyboard to see if you were going to say something. Right, right. <laughs> but go on. All for you, uh, Simone, to make uh, you. your life and Jim's life easier. Um, ah. I, but like you, I mean, Christina, I'm not. <sighs> It's frustrating because I just want my home back. I just want stupid stuff. And, like, I just, like, I understand that I'm like a, what's the the BuzzFeed article you posted? Like, I'm a, I'm like a little piggy in the trough <laughs> with Twitter. My yeah. little tail is, is, is out there. Um, to be really honest with the stuff Elon is doing now, um, hand to God, like, I, I try not to be reactionary with this stuff. I'm I'm really struggling with... I mean, I'm over there. I'm dunking on him. It's good content. I'm getting tons of followers. <laughs> like, it's a good time. But I feel like I'm participating. Like, I feel like I'm hurting the world instead of just hurting myself. <laughs> and I'm really yeah. struggling with that. Um, I mean, that's I, the- what I want is just a, a Twitter to come along that's dependable, that all the journalists are, are there, and I can just follow some sane people with some decent moderation policies, you know? Yeah, it, it's tricky. And I I honestly, like, I, I think what we're seeing now, although I, I am still in the camp of, I think Twitter will stay up and running in, you know, perhaps a jankier and more toxic form. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, but that being said, I what we're seeing is kind of the death of the Twitter that we knew. And I honestly don't think that there's going to be a replacement because to create something that is like Twitter 
you would need not just like all of the journalists sharing their stories. You need this like sort of prehistoric buildup of evolutions of what that platform is with like the early tech adopters, the celebrities, the locals coming in and the brands coming in, like all of that combined together is what makes Twitter what it is. And because there are now so many options of social networks, like there is nothing new under the sun. There's never going to be something that has that level of openness and cross-pollination between all of these different communities plus the scale that Twitter has. Um, I, I don't think that anything like Mastodon could become a product that is pleasant and like valuable to its users. And, and to, to some users, it is already that. It is valuable. It is community. That's that's totally, I think, r- realistic and already exists. But it's not going to be Twitter the way that we have known Twitter. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's fine. But I mean, you know, I, I it's frustrating to me to see this last week. It, it largely has gone unreported on except for the Washington Post. Twitter's completely dismantled every single protection for transgender people. Like it's just gone. Like they reported that it was must job number one to nuke that stuff. Yeah. And you know, you've got a lot of high-profile Jewish people talking about the the rise in anti-Semitism they've seen and how they don't feel safe on the platform. I mean, it's it's it it's really turning in a dark direction. And I just from a technical point of view, I don't know how hard it is to go and like run a server farm and to recreate this software. It seems pretty fungible from a technical point of view and just invest a lot in UI and have some decent trust and safety policies that you actually enforce. That does not seem that hard to me. And I, I just, please uh, don't try to start a Twitter clone, Brie, please, please, Brie, don't. You love yourself. (laughs) No, I was going to say, it's funny. I've had that, uh, like that, um, I, I like, tweet conversation with them some of um of my other friends in tech who they're like hey if we really wanted to blow up our lives um and 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 ruin our our um legacies we could just create a twitter clone right now yeah (laughs) all right well hey that is our show for this week brianna why don't you tell us what you're doing this week I am trying so hard, y'all. So one of I have so this is a life dream of mine. It's a stupid dream, but please don't judge me. Um GDQ Games Done Quick is the Super Bowl of speedruns. And I have a really good shot at getting a slot with my Princess Peach speedrun. So (gasps) I have been working my butt off. The final deadline to submit is tomorrow. Um, And I I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. I mean, there are a lot of things that could be going better on my run. But I, I hope I can get it. So um, I'm really going to really be speed running on Thanksgiving. That. I all day tomorrow, other oh than cooking. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. I that oh my god, I want you to get this so badly. <laughs> it's, it's, Me it's, too. It's a silly dream, but I mean, I've literally put like what is it? That game came out in 1988. I mean, that's a lot of years of mastering oh, this game. So um, you know, if I don't get it this year, I'll get it next year. But um, you know, and thank you to all the Rocket fans that uh, jumped in today on uh, a Twitch to uh, watch oh, me do it. Hey. Like, I, you know, it's not like, Simone, you're doing the the putting together a PC. Like, you're doing that for a huge audience. Speedrunning is just not like that. It's mm. like, 
it's inherently a niche activity, but you're also playing against yourself and for history. So it's it's really important, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 totally. So good luck. We'll talk about it next week. I hope that you get it. Christina, what are you up to? Yeah, so I am um, with my family in Atlanta. So um, with your I'm last just minute a, tickets that you got. <laughs> yep, my last minute tickets that I got, which ironically weren't that bad. Like, if you're not traveling on the peak travel days, it, yeah. it's not the disaster that it would be. But yeah, I thought that Thanksgiving was next week. I was wrong. Uh, so um, I'm uh, I'm just with the family. Um, I bought headphones for my 19 um, month old nephew. Um, so, uh, that they make for babies. So, so you can take uh, him to the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> I, well, he was wearing my sister's, uh, rose gold beats. They weren't on. And he really liked them. I was like, you need your own wireless headphones and JBL makes them Aww, for babies. Cute. So, um, I will be continuing to buy him, um, uh, things and, and spend time with the family. And that's just kind of what I'm doing. Um, everyone on Mastodon, I, I do want to say I was, I know I was really negative in that segment. Everybody who I've interacted with other than the, the, the drama queens has been very, very nice. And I think that the community has a lot of potential. I'm just mostly just sad about my home being gone. So I potentially am going to be trying to be like a better sport about it. Um, and also I'll be rooting for Brie to, uh, to, to, to to get her princess peach on, um, tomorrow. Cause I think that's really, really awesome. Absolutely. Well, this week, uh, I'm just enjoying th- a little Thanksgiving break. But next week, I'll be back on twitch.tv slash polygon playing with the gaming rig that Pat and I built on our stream last Can week. Can I tell you, it was, you know, Simone, I've always known you had crazy talent. But watching you put that together, it was, it was so just, you, you have such a... Like, people take me seriously when I do media hits. You have a fun, light presence that, draw, that draws people in. And it's just, it's a skill of yours I, I deeply, deeply envy. It was, Thank you. It, was, it was really a lot of fun doing that, watching you do that. I genuinely had so much fun. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess since it happened after we recorded, uh, listeners might remember it took us four hours to put together our practice build. We got that sucker up and booted in just over two hours um, Yay! on stream. Uh, and yes, it did come down to the wire with Pat and I standing there going, ah, and submit like painstakingly and calmly, like adjusting, like unplugging and replugging in cables. And we did get it to boot. Uh, it genuinely, as you said, like it was so much fun. I did not expect to have that much fun doing it. And it, I mentioned this during stream, but like I've never built a PC before. It has always been super intimidating to me. Um, and being able to do it, and I, I, I don't know that I could do it and recreate it alone. But having gone through the process once, it genuinely did feel like really cool and empowering. So. Uh, I am glad that you enjoyed it as well, Brie. And uh, if somebody wants to watch me actually play a game instead of build a PC, we'll be doing that. I, I, I would give TV Pat some feedback. Like, just let someone yeah, do her thing. <laughs> just trust. Just trust her. She knows what know she's doing. <laughs> I, I was I right was about like, the direction that the fan needed to face. Though, yes, you were. You were. And I'm Thank you. That, and I'm like, Pat. Just let let Simone do her magic. Okay. Yeah. I know where that core needs to go. I can see that it won't go under easily. It doesn't make sense that way. Um, anyway, 
<laughs> Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, well, if you want to watch me speed run, um, you can do that at uh, twitch.tv. Oh, yeah, Brianna Wu. Um, and you can see me on Twitter at Brianna Wu uh, for as long as I can ethically stay there. So. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, this section has been pretty rote for many, many years. This section of the show where we say where we are on social media. It could be getting exciting. Christina, where can we find you online? Okay, so I'm film underscore girl on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm at film underscore girl at mastodon.social. I think that's just going to be the one that I use. I'm also at Christina at xoxo.zone, but I think I'm going to migrate my followers there over to mastodon.social. And then if people get angry enough at mastodon.social, I will do something else. But that's that's where I am for now. And um, you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash github. All right. I'm still everywhere at Doom Quasar. And um, by everywhere, I mean not Mastodon. I mean still Twitter and Instagram um, and youtube.com slash polygon, twitch.tv slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this show. If you are a booster, a boosty, a booster subscriber, you are about to hear a bonus segment where we scream for 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes about Elizabeth Holmes sentencing and uh, the $500, which has been in flux on our show for several years. <laughs> um, and if not, if you are not a boosty, please consider uh, giving the show a star rating in Apple Podcasts and or sharing it with a friend and telling them, hey, give this a listen. Um, see if you like it. That's, I think, one of the main ways that we can you know, reach a wider audience and make a better show. And it's super helpful for us when you do those wee things. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>